Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast here on assignment at the world of the Donut Factory with the guys from Hoonigan. First up in a series of many, 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 many interviews of the day is Ron Zaris. That's correct. Mr. Marketing Director for the Hoonigan team. Ron, firstly, one, thank you for welcoming me in by making me move my car. <laughs> Look, man, we... Uh... We're always filming here. We're uh, always making pieces. So. Look, I just tried to get in the shot. I wanted my, like, three seconds of fame. I know I wanted to get in there. I wanted to be on one of those daily transmissions. <laughs> we may have gotten you on film already, so. Well, that's, that. look, that's the goal in life. I hope to try and make it everything to do, I do today now is to try and get in front of the camera at any opportunity possible. It was more so about Kiwi, I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah, I mean, she is the one that everyone's dying to see, mostly. I mean, she's already she's already been on this. She, she was on a daily transmission, actually, an episode. No when, way. Yeah, when we did... Uh, when we interviewed uh, Brian and uh, Will for the podcast that mm-hmm. shall not be named, we took them for a tour of the vault, and Kiwi was the obviously the guy because she knows much more about what happens in the vault than I do. Of course. <laughs> That's awesome. And the best thing about it was obviously all the negative comments that was on the YouTubes because, I mean, there's very rarely many positive comments on there, is there? Um, you would be surprised. Well, There's just a... about me, anyway. Oh, I mean, for me, you. yeah. Well, so everything about yeah. me was negative. Everything about Q was absolutely positive. I mean, oh, okay. look, that's that's the way I see it. <laughs> well, dogs on the internet, they are undefeated. I know. I mean, look, they rate pretty highly up there. They do. The only thing that's better than dogs on the internet is maybe dogs falling over on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I that's mean, true. that's that's pretty much a given. But anyway, Ron, let's uh, let's get onto a serious note now. Let's go back. Because you want to talk deeply and seriously about your origin story. Okay. And how you got to where you are today in a room with no lights working. <laughs> we have uh, LED panels instead of lights Look, in this it's, room. It's, it's, it's making my skin glisten, I think, under all these LEDs. So I'm, <laughs> I'm all about it. I like this. I think I've got to change this life. So, Ron, how did, how did you get started in this thing called the automotive world? Oh, man. Um, well... Cars have kind of been a part of my life since as far back as I can remember. Yeah. So I was born into a European family. Mm-hmm. I was uh, born in Chicago, but my parents were from Poland. Okay. So my father was uh, a long-haul truck driver, drove semi-trucks when he came over here, had a big old Peterbilt. Mm-hmm. So there were always those in the lot, in the, the front yard, the driveway. Um, and he liked big American cars, you know, coming over from Europe it was, wow, we've got stuff like the Oldsmobile Delta. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I would just crawl all over those things. He would put me in his lap. I would get to steer. And growing up, you know, in America, it's so much about football, baseball, all those things. But with the European family, they didn't really know much about those sports. Yeah. So I grew up watching boxing and motor racing. And I was really skinny and small. And kind of weak. So I kind of trended towards more. So the boxing you're saying was exactly where you wanted to go. That was yes. the sign was right yes. there. You know, yes. I think I could, you, were, you were playing punch out. You were like, I, could, I think I could take Mike Tyson. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, and it was also easier to collect matchbox cars yes. than, uh, than boxing figurines. Yeah. So. And you get a lot less bruises. Yes. From matchbox cars. Right. Or Hot Wheels, whichever exactly. way you want to go. Unless you step on them in the middle of the night. Which is not ideal. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one wor- of the worst things you can do. Well, is it worse than Lego? Ooh, no. No, 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 no. I yeah. think Lego is worse. It's I a mean, couple notches. On yeah, that. yeah. But it's close. It's close. Yeah. So I grew up, um, you know, just cars were always part of my life mm-hmm. in some way, right? And then for a little while, I got into BMX bikes. I got into extreme sports and... 
cars fell by the wayside a little bit, but my cousin in Chicago, my cousin Dan, he had a Honda Prelude, mm-hmm. second gen. Okay. So I remember visiting him in Chicago. So I, I rewinding a little bit, I had gotten into the action sports thing. I was super focused on that. Uh, cars kind of became an Which A to B thing. in particular for the action sports side? BMX bikes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But BMX bikes and I really enjoyed skate culture. All my friends skateboarded. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so cars kind of became an A to B thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, what can I fit my bike in? What can, uh, what can just me to the get track. me there reliably? Yeah. Whatever. Or oh, the skate park. Wherever yeah. you want to go. Yeah. So then I went to visit my cousin Dan in Chicago. He gave me a ride in his Prelude. Mm-hmm. It had an intake and it had an exhaust and it had VTEC. So I remember, I'll, I'll never forget, I must have been, I don't know, 14 years old, something like that. And he gave it a rev. He did the very responsible thing is what you're saying? The Honda thing. Yeah. The responsible thing. Mm-hmm. Gave it a good rev. You get that intake noise. You get the exhaust sound. Then he told me what VTEC was. And it kicked in? It, VTEC kicked in so hard. He had a manual VTEC switch. Like he could he could change when the VTEC came in. I mean that's serious right there. Oh, so serious. And I, I just remember the uh, you know the the kind of mm-hmm. boost but no boost feel. And that day, I went out. I got sport compact car. I got Super Street, and it just set off from there. I mean, I was reading every single magazine. I mean, this was pre-youtube days as well so was there ever a time that was pre-youtube believe it or not maybe dating myself a little bit here but uh you know i just remember i even remember pre-internet days world wide web oh see i don't remember that Uh, those are savage times (laughs) it was like a barren wasteland out there Uh, i I don't know how people survived but I, i mean i did spend a lot of time ciphering through magazines at the grocery store and how cool was that? I mean, you, just, you know, you go there with your parents, you just stand there at the end. Yeah, exactly. And you just read through all the car mags and there were so many different ones. And I, I fell in love with cars and mm-hmm. I fell in love with print and the storytelling and everything. And it was just such an exciting time to be a car enthusiast because, you know, it, it wasn't like these days where, you know, everything from the factory has 500 plus horsepower, every enthusiast car. <clears throat> Sorry. That's all right. Um, as long as you don't keel over, it's totally fine. <laughs> but for the sport compact scene and the import scene especially, you know, those early 2000s were such an incredible, incredible time. And I kind of got in, I, I got into cars right around that time, and that shaped how I, how I view cars forever. So I, at the time, I had a, a Dodge Stratus mm-hmm. front-wheel drive V6. And I didn't care. I mean, to me, you know, it was just about going out, hanging out, doing burnouts, doing dumb stuff, you know, chucking it in reverse, then slamming it into drive. I remember... You would never have put the old trays in the back wheels either, would you? Of course I would. Come on. And then, I mean, and that's if you're still in Chicago, right? If you do that in winter, it's a little bit chilly as well. Uh, So this, this was when I actually moved to Tennessee. Okay. So... Which still gets cold. But not quite as cold as Chicago. Exactly. I mean, Chicago is cold. But the good thing about Tennessee was that I was able to get my driving permit Uh, at 15 years old. Ah, perfect. If you can believe a 15-year-old piloting a car on public roads, to me, that's a scary thought right now. But Back then? It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. So I was very lucky to be able to start driving around at at 15. Um, Tennessee back roads, you know, there were some mountain roads. Mm -hmm. and. 
I got somehow I found a download on I want to say it was one of those file sharing Kazaa. It might have been Kazaa. I found Initial D. Yep. And I started watching that whole series, and it, honestly, the combination of Initial D and then getting Gran Turismo at the same time. It taught me everything I needed to know. Game changer. Absolute game changer. I learned about heel-toe downshifting, what anti-lag is, what ditch hooking is, all this stuff. And so I started taking my Dodge Stratus on, like, back mountain roads in Tennessee and pretending like I was Takumi, you know? like You were just delivering sushi, right? Delivering if sushi. If anyone asks, that's all I'm doing. I'm just going out there to deliver sushi. Well, tofu. Tofu, it sorry. It was tofu, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And listening to Eurobeat mm -hmm. and, you know, Naturally. the little water cup. No, I didn't have the water cup. No, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't good. No. I was just kind of trying not to run into things. Yeah, I mean, if someone does do that with a water cup, I mean, that's like high level there. I mean, yeah. I mean that's like, I can't even imagine. That's, that, that's how you, in my mind, that's how you become a pro drift driver. It's yeah, the water uh, cup trick. I mean, even, maybe even higher, maybe even the master. I mean, there's no other path in my mind. Yeah. Water cup mastery. So, initial D, Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo is incredible because it taught me all the car stats, mm -hmm. what all the cars are that I've never heard of, maybe some of the ones that we couldn't get in the States. And uh, so that that was a few years. Uh, of, what, what was the cars that you'd like to have in your garage, I should say, in Gran Turismo? All of them. <laughs> no, it was a lot of uh I, I i probably had six different supra builds mm -hmm. fourth generation supra of course of course uh funny enough the the tom's x540 chaser i didn't know who made it i didn't know what it was mm -hmm. i was just like this is a four-door with a supra engine that's pretty cool count me in and then fast forward years and years later and i actually was able to get a mark ii which is pretty much a chaser mm -hmm. but um rewinding a bit uh i i you know kept the magazine self-education kept doing the the gran turismo thing and just couldn't get enough i absolutely anything any car thing i could get out and do was obsessed so then it came time for me to get a car you know of my own mm -hmm. so at the time i naturally went to working valet because you get to drive cars around all day. Yep. And if you choose, get to fart in other people's seats as often as you want. It depends on how much they would tip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you get what you get. Oh, I guess th I thought that was the how much you tip means how much you can spin the wheels when no one's looking, or is that different? Well, that too. Okay. That too. All right. The combination of the factors? It was, it was, it was a wild, wild time. <laughs> it was crazy. And this was, by the way, I'm, I'm skipping around a lot, but... Uh, this was now Atlantic City, New Jersey. Okay. So I was born in Chicago, moved to Tennessee, got my driving chops in in Tennessee, and then I moved to Atlantic City, New Jersey at 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Started doing the valet thing. And that was kind of the next level of, you know, a lot of these cars that I saw in Gran Turismo, a lot of these cars that I, I've only seen in digital form or in magazines were starting to show up because mm -hmm. I did valet at a casino. So yeah. it was a lot of higher-end you know, the type of clientele. And I got to drive these things. Now, granted, it was driving them around in a, a parking garage. But still. But still, it was pretty cool to me as a kid. And I, I shit you not, I had a little list on a notepad that I would keep of every single cool car that I got to drive. And to me at the time, a cool car 
was like an older BMW 3, 330i, mm-hmm. you know, because I just, I really liked the way those felt and rear wheel drive. And like you circle through all these cars hours and hours throughout the day and you really get such a sense of how the same concept of a car, of a thing with four wheels and a steering wheel can be so wildly different from car to car. I mean, you would go from like a C4 Corvette Mm -hmm. to an Evo and those couldn't be further from each other, you know? And so it just kept igniting that love for cars. And then right around that time, Speed Channel started airing the World Rally Championship Mm -hmm. on TV. And this was, I want to say, 2003, 2004. It was the heyday of Petr Mm -hmm. He was, uh, I think he had just won the championship. And I just remember watching him in the the Subaru STI, Mm -hmm. iconic car, in Monaco, just, well, in Monte Carlo, just weaving through the narrowest stages, just absolutely flat out in this thing. I was like, okay, that's it. I mean, life goal is to have an STI, like WRX, STI, I don't care what it is. It's got to be World Rally Blue. It's got to have gold wheels. Naturally. Naturally. So I saved every last penny I had. I sold all of my worldly possessions, and I got myself into a lease with the Subaru WRX. And life was... I mean, I, I honestly, at the time, I was like, how do I get any higher than this? I've made it. That's the pinnacle right there. It's the pinnacle, You've man. got, You've reached the top of the mountain. Absolute top. And, oh, man, it was like... I would look up every single Subaru meet that was going on. I was on the forum, you know, nasiok.com. Mm-hmm. Which was, I want to say, other than VW Vortex, one of the greatest automotive forums. It is a really, really good forum. Oh my God, From incredible. a former uh, Subaru owner. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly helpful for those little things that you it's don't realize. It's wild and, and so helpful for anything you want to install ever, mm-hmm. any issue you may be having. Or just go to Off Topic, and it was some incredible talk going on over there. So that really showed me the community side of cars and everything. But the real game changer with that thing was the WRX at the time came with a free year subscription to the SCCA mm-hmm. or membership, I mm-hmm. should say. I was like, what's this all about? SCCA, Sports Car, Sports Car Club of America, you know, what's this all about? Went to the website, learned about autocross, and my life was ruined from there on out. Went to my first autocross, bone stock car, stock tires, stock everything. And it was some Bridgestone RE90, I want to say. It was like an economy tire. Mm -hmm. I went out there putting down terrible times. I had no idea what I was doing. But, smiles. So, the the high is indescribable Mm -hmm. that I got from that day. Which is hilarious, because you're not getting out of second gear in a parking lot. No. You know, you're, you're maxing out at... 30 miles an hour. 30, 40 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, at most. You're spending half your day picking up cones. It didn't matter, dude. It was the most fun. I was throwing a car around, nobody telling me to, like, no Back cops up. coming, yeah. no anything. If anything, they're asking you to push it more. Yeah, exactly. Go faster. You can do it. Go That's faster. exactly what the instructor said, man. He he got in the passenger seat. He was like, yeah, you know, the lines are okay and everything. He's like, but, man, you just got to mat the throttle. It's like, this is a parking lot. Nothing's going to happen. And something switched on to like a never lift mentality. And from that day on, I mean, it just evolved. You know, the motorsport snowball. You go, you're like, okay, 
cool, I need tires now. You get tires, then you get too much body roll. Next event, you got to get springs. All right, now you got springs, you're handling well. All right, now I need more power. All right, and then you start comparing yourself to all the other guys and everything. And the motorsport thing just took over. And then that evolved into track days. And then that evolved into, uh, what did it evolve into? I don't know, just motorsport mayhem. I mean, every mm-hmm. dime I made, every move that I could make in life was to figure out how to go faster, how to get better parts, how to learn how to drive better. I mean, at one point, I think I was emailing with Penske about custom valved shocks to go 40 miles an hour in a parking lot. I mean, it's serious. It's so serious. But, you know, it was, uh, it taught me so much about, you know, car culture, car dynamics, everything, every waking moment I had, I was trying to figure out how to make the car work best, talking to other people, being at the events, being at the meets, really shaped how I viewed cars overall. So around that time, I want to say, um, you know, I was, I was in college. Mm-hmm. I went to school for, it was a, a, a double major, PR and journalism. Mm-hmm. So PR, obviously, even at that time, paid a good amount better, right? So we took a field trip to uh, a PR firm in New York City because at this time I was going to school in New Jersey. And I will never forget walking through the cube farm that was this PR firm and seeing a guy with a a very sad-looking pear on a napkin in a cubicle, and he's just staring at this screen with a blank stare. And you're like, that, sign me up. That is the life for me. I want to be that guy. I want a pair a day. I want a, I want a sad, bruised pear. That's it. And staring at a computer That's screen. That's probably too hard and not really ripe enough, but you mean you're stuck with it and you're going to eat it anyway. You're gonna, that, that pear is the highlight of your day. Mm-hmm. That's why it's on that picture-perfect like white napkin. Right. Just so everyone can see and be jealous of your pear. Exactly. Exactly. That was my dream, mm-hmm. my life goal. Um and you know nothing again you know there are incredible pr firms out there there are amazing places to work but that moment in time made me realize i was like I, you know what i don't really care how much i make i i i just can't be that dude i don't want to turn into that guy mhm so i started going to magazine stands every day this was i want to say it was borders barnes and noble mm-hmm. one of the two if anybody remembers those things. Yeah, they, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're like the dinosaurs, right? Yeah. So I would go up and I would look at every single car magazine and I would see where they were based out of. Because mm-hmm. around this time I was getting ready to graduate college and obviously looking for an internship. So it's like, man, everything's in Ann Arbor, Michigan or California or Florida. I was getting ready to gear up and switch schools mm-hmm. at this point. I was like, I don't care. I, I just want to work with cars in some capacity, whatever it takes. And then as fate would have it, there was a magazine up on the stand. It said Zero to Sixty magazine. Let's see what this is about. It was a big, nice book, nice mm-hmm. paper. Expensive. Expensive-ish. Yeah, a little bit of a but it premium fe- magazine. Yeah, say that. it felt quality. The, ma- the paper quality is better. It's exactly. The pa- when you feel. Yeah. When you're flipping through. And, it, and, and little did I know that that was one of the biggest fights that they would have all the time at zero to 60 Mm -hmm. just to always have that paper quality. But I I took a look through and compared to all the other car mags, it just had this youthful, like punk type feel. And I remember reading the editor's letter. Mm -hmm. It was Brian Scotto sitting on a certain Audi. Mm -hmm. 
that may or may not be here. Yep. Still blue green Audi. And he's talking about is how, it blue or is it green? I mean, who really knows? No one knows really. No one knows. It's uh, well, Brian does, but Brian does. But yeah. we don't really. Does that really does that matter? No, no, no. no. Uh, I think it's actually blue. <laughs> Dude, yeah, scientifically it may be blue. Yeah, but uh, so I see this dude, Brian Scotto. He's like a young-looking guy. He's you know sitting on this thing and talking about how you know he evolved from being a Volkswagen kid to an Audi kid, and now he's talking about getting a 911. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, this this mag's super cool, and I see they're based out of New York City. It's like, dude, score. I'm mm-hmm. sending him an email today. Sent him an email. Didn't get a reply back for a few days. Thought it was all over. Thought my car career had ended right there. And you're going back to the pair. Back to the pair life. And uh, I get an email from Matt Tassillo, who was managing editor there at the time. He's like, yeah, man, if you're looking for an internship, come on in. We'll uh, we'll talk. So, man, I was scared. I was most scared because I didn't have racing experience. Okay. Right? Yep. How little did I know at the time? So I was like, okay, you know, on on my resume, I'm going to put, like, SCCA. You know, I won STX class this many times. You know, this is my driving experience. So I go in, like, my finest clothing. I wore my Puma Speed Cats. I was like, I'm going to show these guys. Serious business. Yeah. 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 I show up. Dude, I was nervous as hell. I was like, I had no idea what to expect. I walk in. What was more nervous, going in for that interview or the, like pushing for a final run in the SSC? Right, in oh, 100% going into that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, final run was, that was game Because you already eyeballed everyone else. Yeah. Down, and you're like, you got nothing. Yeah. And yeah. that was the funny thing. I, I was always most calm and most confident behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. It, it, aside from every other aspect in life, when I got behind the wheel, that was when I felt best. Yep. So I walk into this room, and it's like it, it's the publisher's office mm-hmm. that they would interview people in. It's like these big leather chairs with the brass and everything, and just magazines everywhere. It feels so official. Mm-hmm. And I see Brian Scotto and Matt Tassillo. They're sitting across from each other. I sit down, and they barely they they say hi. And then they start talking about turducken, Viking stoves, because Brian had just moved into an apartment that had a nice stove. Okay. And all this random stuff. I'm like, is this a test? <laughs> like, uh, I'm here to, I guess, talk about cars. And they're but like, if you won't, I, I know a good turducken recipe. Yeah. Oh, you do. Well, don't you just get the turkey, then the duck, and, and the chicken, and then just shove it all in together? Uh, whatever I, I fits think that's pretty much it and yeah, then yeah. put it in for like three hours then let it sit for now Give you're, you're, you're giving me flashbacks right now because that's okay. pretty much the exact conversation they and you got to inject the butter it's all about the butter you got to rub the butter all over uh, it so it gets moist okay turducken secrets mm-hmm. can we just spin this off to turducken yeah. secrets pocket? Right. I think so <laughs> so you know I tell them very very nervously about my experience with cars how you know I, I just this is my passion this is what I want to do and everything and I give them my whole everything I've got mm-hmm. and they're like alright cool man uh, yeah so you want to work here for free I was like <laughs> uh, yes definitely yes can we can we swear can there be Co- well you've already sworn once so I did yeah the New Jersey in me. It's I was like, right. fuck yes, bring me in. Why not? I don't care. Pay me nothing, that's fine. He would say, I will pay you yeah. $10. Yeah, pretty much. Just to come in. Just to come over there. So uh, I started commuting there from New Jersey mm-hmm. to Midtown Manhattan 
to intern at which is an incredibly easy commute oh yeah oh yeah it we, was we i hope we were hopefully weren't driving in uh so i would start with the drive okay and then i would go to i would drive to the bus station mm-hmm. in new jersey i would take the bus to penn station yep and then from penn station i would take the subway mm-hmm. two subways I want to say it was the the N and the seven. Yeah, because getting across in the tunnel was getting kind of pricey if you're doing that every day, and then parking. Oh well, my lord! For me, I had no job at the time. Yeah, and obviously so, you're paying them basically. Right. So. Right. Exactly. So I'm surprised you weren't just thumbing a lift. Uh, I may. I may have once, once or, or twice. twice. Yeah. 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 So I started doing probably an hour and a half commute in every day, mm-hmm. or. Yeah, almost every day during the week after school. Started bartending just to be able to sustain that lifestyle yeah. at night. It's all about the commuting lifestyle. It's what you work for. I work to commute. 100%. And I felt so out of place. Like All these guys were like super cool car dudes. They knew so much about every kind of car. And then the life-changing moment happened. I learned about the press car. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Which is a pretty good – it's a great secret. It's – one of the best secrets mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. So Brian emails me one day. He's like, hey, we uh, we have an R, uh, Audi R8 coming in. This is when the R8 just came out. I want to say like 2008 or nine, something like that. Yeah. The V8 R8. Mm-hmm. He's like, we got to get a story with it. Uh, you know, you're the intern. So you get this thing for 24 hours. So do whatever you want. <laughs> I had to read through that email like 60 times mm-hmm. and triple check myself. I'm like, wait, they're giving me a brand new Audi R8 from Audi. A, spo- a supercar. A supercar for 24 hours mm-hmm. to do whatever I want with. So I gear up for this trip, immediately get a ticket. Like before I even hit the Lincoln Tunnel, leaving Midtown. <laughs> Like this is a fantastic start because that you know it has launch control and it was actually on snow tires because it was uh, I want to say it was winter at the time, so it would just spin all over the place. So I decided that you know being a college kid and being an intern, uh, I was going to pursue a road trip to I wanted to maximize my time with this thing. So I found a drive-through liquor store in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool, doing a road trip down there. So myself and a photographer, Andrew Link, we did the full road trip down that way. And I want to say every single fuel stop had a couple dozen donuts in the car. Uh, We may have done very, very illegal speeds through West Virginia. Uh, It was just such an insane trip. And the whole time I'm pinching myself, I'm like, is journalism real life? Is this like... Well, but then you check your paycheck, which obviously as an intern is... Not well, by quite the, high. By that point, uh, actually, a few months in, I started getting paid. Oh, well, let's let's say not. a little stipend, maybe a, a a barely a stipend. Okay. And I'm like, I'm getting paid for this. Yeah. They sent me on a trip to do a track day in an aerial atom uh-huh. at Lime Rock Park. I had no business driving that thing, but whatever. You're gonna do car. it. Yeah. 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 So. I was getting paid less than the janitor in that building, and I couldn't be happier. You were still, you were smiling more than the janitor, anyway. Oh my god, dude! It was, it was such a pinch me moment every day, right? So that kept going. I mean, I was living in a basement in New Jersey, and just like not even a one bedroom apartment, barely an mm-hmm. excuse for that, and had a brand new Z06 parked out front press car. Did you? Did the neighbors want to make friends with you then at that point? All of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because they were like, okay, this guy obviously deals drugs. Yeah. Because how else do you get cars like that when he's just some, you know, 20-something? Mm-hmm. So that magical time, uh, it lasted, I want to say, a year and a half. And under the tutelage of Brian Scotto and Matt Tassillo, um, I learned so much more about everything to do with cars. And especially being a journalist, you know, everything that you write about. And at the time, we were also running Rides Magazine and Donk. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have to do or I get to do all this performance stuff, um, I had to learn about like lowrider culture, donk culture, all that stuff. And and I, at the time, I couldn't care less. But because I wrote a couple of these stories and got to see that whole side of it, it opened my eyes that cars are so much more beyond what you just like personally. Mm -hmm. And that there's just such a broad spectrum and a huge world out there. And I'm, I'm still expecting to see a Hoonigan donk at some point. It needs to happen. Yeah. It absolutely needs to happen. Yeah. I so, mean, what, it'd be sitting on like, what, 35s to make it at least reasonable? 35s, yeah, with the rubber band tires. Mm -hmm, of course. Yeah. Man. Oh, you're giving us ideas. Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, there are donk guys in the South that are putting 1,000 horsepower LSs in. Well, I know they've got the donk drag racing. I actually haven't seen donk drag racing. Yeah, so it's like you start off with like 700 horsepower. It's like bare minimum to do anything. What? I think, yeah, but I think they go on like race tires. Okay. So they're like down to 27s. Does Hoosier make? Oh, <laughs> does Hoosier make a twenty-seven? <laughs> no, no, oh, okay. no, still rubber bands. Oh, okay, but yeah, but does it, the wheel size is twenty-seven as opposed to thirty-five? Because you've got to have some consideration for racing at that point, right? But I think yeah, I think they're like starting like seven hundred horsepower plus Ugh. drag racing them. Wow, see that's so, that's something for you guys when you at Irwindale. I think you got to. I'm writing notes. I'm yeah. writing notes right now. Mm -hmm. I did just see um, slight tangent. I saw a video of a two JZ powered donk. And the guy knew all about TJZ tuning, all about Supras, top secret in Japan and everything, but fully donked out. Incredible. And so being at zero to 60, super opened my eyes to all that. Um, but from the racing stuff, there was always that, that motorsport part of me mm -hmm. that just, I had such a passion for racing. That was my core passion in cars. And, uh, you know, with journalism at that time, really, really started getting hit hard with the internet. Mm -hmm. Zero to 60 felt the brunt of that pretty bad. All mm -hmm. magazines did. Yeah. But Zero to 60 was, you know, it was a fairly expensive mag to run because of its price point. Mm -hmm. And we always fought for paper quality. We were like, you know what? Cut our paychecks before you cut the paper quality, which actually happened. I want to say Brian Scotto took a pay cut at one point to ensure the paper quality stayed the way it did. Mm -hmm. But it just wasn't sustainable. And at the time... Brian was getting really good friends with Ken Block. And Ken, you know, dropped the Subaru thing, went from an arrive-and-drive type driver to wanting to form his own team. Mm -hmm. So he took Brian from zero to 60. And when Brian left, you know, we all took over and everything, but the combo of Brian leaving, the magazine industry doing what it was doing, excuse me, um, it was just, it was a time to, to make a change. And with how crazy everything was on the Ken Block side, Brian sent me an email. He was like, hey, man, I need help out here. I need a lot of help. Um, do you want to join a World Rally car team? Because they and, were doing the World Rally Championship. And you championship. said, absolutely not. That is, I definitely do not want to do that, right? 
At first, I was kind of uh, that might have been the answer because I was still living press car life. I uh. mean, at the time, you would walk out. It was like Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. You would walk out, and our parking lot in Midtown was just anything imaginable. I, I I remember that one day, we had a ZR1, we had the I forget what edition it was. It was the brand new Subaru STI. Mm-hmm. We had an Aston Martin in there. It was just Go out and choose. Choose it was your Gran Turismo, basically. Exactly. Um, and Brian was like, "Look, it's going to be a lot of hard work. You know, no press cars, um, but it's motorsport life. You know, you're you're in it. You're in the WRC." And I'm like, "Thought about it. Thought about it for a couple of days. I got a, a hefty five percent pay raise, ten percent. But you know, for me." Going back, it was really never about how much I could make. Mm-hmm. I just cared that I was surrounded by cars. So I said yes. I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, I was a fan of Ken Block. I was a fan boy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I was driving a Subaru, man. Jim Connor came out. I was like, dude, I get to work with Ken? Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that job. So for a little while there, I was moonlighting. I was working at 0 to 60 in the daytime. I would go to Brian's at night. You know, his apartment in Brooklyn. Started the YouTube channel. Started the Ken Block uh, Twitter page. Mm-hmm. Everything, like, from the ground. Zero followers. Zero everything. I was doing this till, like, one in the morning and then wake up and do it all over again. Rinse and repeat kind of thing. Yeah. And so my, my final test for hiring was, Brian was like, hey, man, come out to WRC Turkey. This was 2010. He was like, come out. See if the team likes you. See if Ken likes you. See how you jive with everybody. So I took a vacation, doing air quotes, from zero to 60. I was like, hey, uh, Matt, I, uh, I'm, I'm doing a little trip. Uh, I'll be back in a, a week. And in a bit of premonition, uh, Brian was like, yeah, here's where you need to fly into. This person will book you. And that was pretty much it. This is the hotel you need to get to. So, dude, I land in Turkey. I land to a text message from Brian that says, uh, hey, the hotel is almost impossible to get to, and there may be uh, wild, rabid dogs and people in the middle of the highway trying to sell you cell phone chargers. I was like, all right, cool. It's like normal, right? Right into the fray. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a credit card at the time, so I had a hell of a time trying to rent a car. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a cell phone plan. Dude, I just showed up. As was the email said, right? Completely unready. I somehow, by some grace, made it to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Probably with some $3,000 cell phone bill at this time. And I remember the hotel was by the WRC service park. And dude, there was Petter Solberg. There was Sebastian Loeb. There was the hum of like all the WRC cars in a row. I had no idea what to do with myself. This is it. This is the dream. Like, how did I get this lucky? How did I weasel my way in here? Like, this is unreal. And I was just Brian's assistant Mm -hmm. at the time. I was just helping him out, doing whatever possible. And that's what kicked off uh, pretty much an eight-year career working for Ken Block, evolving, working for Ken and Brian Scotto, evolving from being an assistant to I picked up a camera and – you know, it was easy for me to cut the middleman for social media mm-hmm. to go out, take the photo I needed, and tell the story I needed as a, a journalist. So kind of fell into the photojournalist role, and that's how we treated our social media. And uh, really, it took off from there. Those next eight years were a blur, you know, doing 
Gymkhana 3 was the first Gymkhana that I got to be a part of, and then all the World Rally Championship races, Rally America, seeing Rallycross take off in the U.S., going to M Sport, meeting all these people, just immersing myself fully into motorsport. And it was, it were the, the hardest years of my life and some of the most fun. Because between working for Ken and doing 150,000 air miles a year and all that, it was absolute relentless madness. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. So that was right up until about, I want to say six months ago. Mm -hmm. You know, we got the Ken side running like a top. It was... I don't want to say formulaic because nothing Ken does is formulaic, but we got to a really good place with Ken's team where, you know, everything was running really well. The marketing was on point and all that. And Hoonigan had evolved from an apparel company to really embracing the media part of itself. It was always a media company, really, because we used media to sell the apparel mm -hmm. and really just tell our story and our lifestyle. But with how much the uh, everything was taking off, um, you know, they needed help over here. So about six months ago, I came back here, moved to California to help Brian and really make this all take off. Excuse me, sir. Look, it's all right. You're important. These things happen. All right, we're good. Um, Look, that was probably Brian just then. Uh, yeah, Brian's on his way to... Uh, scout right now in a very very foreign country for for a project that's coming up and uh and that was part of the thing i mean there's so many projects going on here now we're we're going into twitch you know the youtube thing is taking off we're working with more and more companies it's just it's going a thousand miles an hour here and we're just making in a thousand different directions as well yeah a bit uh, in in one very general like media storytelling direction but you know these days with all the different outlets and everything mm -hmm. there's so many ways to tell that story that we're kind of navigating that land as we go so yeah long story short that's how i ended up in this seat right here at hoonigan and then if people are wanting to find you Mm -hmm. where would they find, where's the best place to try and track you go on down online if they want to follow your adventures with the Hoonigan team? Uh, Ron Carr on Instagram, which appropriately, I guess, is my nickname. Ron is my first name. Carr somehow became my second name, my nickname. Uh, there's a funny story behind that for another time, I guess. But uh, Next time we have you on the podcast, yes, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, Ron Carr on Instagram and... That's really where I post the most. I like Instagram as a platform. But also just come by the Donut Garage here in Long Beach. Uh, I'm pretty much here every day if we're not on set filming. Well, that's not a bad place. And what time? Because uh, the shop's open. How often? When is the shop open, I should say? Is it like 12 or something? It's open during the week, five days a week. Yeah. And then uh, from about noon to four, noon to five, something like that. And then obviously they can find you on the respective Twitch and YouTube channels. Exactly, yeah. So uh, we've been doing a show called Scumbag Labs mm -hmm. lately, which is like... Automotive Mythbusters, yep. in a way. And you are the Mr. S you are the science guy. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. Ron Carr, the science guy. Yeah. Almost yeah. rhymes, right? Lab coat Ron. Yeah. I see you, you, you watch the show. I do. I, I try and keep up. Yeah. That was a funny one. I, I just kind of fell into that role. Um, we were doing the second or third one in the series, and we had to explain the experiment. Mm -hmm. And we, for whatever reason, it just wasn't working on set, right? So... 
we were like, how do we explain this madness that's going on, this experiment we're trying to do? They're like, yo, Ron, just jump in front of a camera. Like, just explain. We'll try it on a green screen, whatever. Explain what's going on, and then we'll do a cutback. And in my mind, I was like, okay, well, no one wants to listen to just some dude in a hoodie and a hat and tell them what's going on. Like, you got to... There's got to be some kind of entertainment here. And the lab coat adds credibility, obviously, and protective <laughs> glasses. I right, mean, right. That's, that's serious science there at that point. Add lab coat, add a couple pens, a couple dozen pens, instant credibility. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how that happened, and it's, it's a funny thing because now there's just all this stuff about lab coat, Ron. <laughs> it's the most uninspired name, but they were like, what do we call you? What, what's this dude's name? What's this character's name? I'm like, it's not a character. It's just it's me, me wearing. It's just the funny part about that, by the way, is that Scotto was like, okay, I just need you to deliver this in like a monotone, deadpan manner. Mm -hmm. Like you almost don't care about what's going on. I was like, uh, I'm just talking normal. Like, I. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how I deliver things. <laughs> so it's nice to know that's how you think of me, Brian. This is what it is. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's how Lab Coat Ron uh, was born and evolved. Well, look, and we're so glad that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just looking forward to more episodes. I am too. I am too. It's it's honestly such a fun show to make. It really is. Like, we're buying $1,000 cars off of Craigslist and blowing them up and running them into stuff. I mean, if you gave me uh, a choice of driving a Ferrari 360 on some big, you know, racetrack without any kind of elevation change or anything, or filming Scumbag Labs, I'm like, dude, Scumbag Labs, 100%. It's so fun. It's crazy fun. Well, I mean, you guys do have fun Yeah, all the time. I mean, it's... Barely an episode where you guys are not having fun. Yeah. I mean, well, I well, you know, what's the point otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's the, it's a way to live your best life, right? Exactly. And that's kind of the, I don't want to say mantra, but kind of the leading philosophy of everything we do with cars, whether it's Ken Block, whether it's Brian, myself, everybody in this building, right? We all connect on the fact that cars are meant to be fun. You know, I, I respect when, you know, people wax their car, you know, two times a week mm -hmm. and just keep it pristine and, and tucked away in a garage. That's fun for them. It is. And yeah. that, that's their fun with cars. They appreciate the yard. They appreciate the build. But for almost all of us here in the building, throwing a car around, you know, chucking it towards a wall at a hundred miles an hour, like, or maybe rolling it or maybe if the rolling being it. switched. Yes, exactly. You know, having fun with cars, whether it's a Jeep, whether it's a Lamborghini, whether it's a race car, doesn't matter what it is. If you're in it, you should be having fun because really that's what they're all about. And that's kind of our guiding philosophy here at Hoonigan. You know, if it's a car, you can have fun in it. doesn't matter what it is. You know, if you, just yesterday on Twitch, we were talking to somebody and they were saying, you know, I'm super into cars and everything, but man, all I have is a Scion TC. I'm like, man, that, that's sick. It's a fun car. You can have so much fun in a Scion TC and it's manual. Dude. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the only thing you can have more fun in a Scion car is if you've got a Scion mixtape to put in <laughs> and you've got Scion socks and Scion lip balm. Right. And then, <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's You're another living, mountain. That's it. There. You're living the dream, man. That's the Scion dream right point. there. Oh. Yeah. The big, yeah. And you've got how many mixtapes from Scion do they have? I mean, 
hundreds almost. I, I don't know, probably more than the the now that's what I call music mm-hmm. tapes. Yeah, at this point. So, yeah, I mean, we're that's what it's all about. It you is. Know? It is. If it's a Dodge Stratus, I drive a Dodge Stratus. You remember that from Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah, best. Um, yeah, have fun in it, man. Cars are meant to be fun. And look, on that note, Ron, I guess we should wrap it up because right. I think you're probably your email list is probably growing by the second. This, and is, the, the this is a little more fun than emails. Well, I know. I try. It's all, <laughs> well, I'm not fun. Kiwi's the fun one. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, you're, you're getting up there. I the try. Oh, that's very kind of you. So I, gotta, I mean, I can't, on that nice words, I should say, we should end it off. But, Ron, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I guess we're going to turn it over to someone else from the Hoonigan team now. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. No, no, no problem. Thanks again. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.